0: Welcome to the Working Well Podcast. I'm Tim Boris, CEO of Fresh Wellness Group. This show explores the diverse aspects of workplace health and personal performance. On the Working Well Podcast, we dive into the foundations of what makes wellness work in workplaces around the world. We connect with corporate leaders, executives, and industry experts who are helping make life more awesome at work and home. Join us to learn workplace wellness best practices, personal performance tips, and access resources to jumpstart your personal and corporate programs. Hi, welcome to the Working Well podcast. My guest today is Michael Kerr. And just in case you're wondering, Kerr rhymes with fur. So Michael Kerr is a Hall of Fame speaker who, in ordinary times, travels the world researching, writing, and speaking about inspiring workplaces that rock and businesses that leverage their humor resources to drive outrageous results. Michael's idea Ideas on building and inspiring workplaces have been featured in hundreds of publications worldwide. While well, his inspiring workplaces blog has been listed as one of the top 30 workplace blogs in the world, Michael is also the author of eight—just eight—eight yeah, books, including *The Humor Free* or *The Humor Advantage*, *Why Some Businesses Are Laughing All the Way to the Bank*, and *The Jerk-Free Workplace*. And by the way, Michael, I love that name. I even ha- actually have a copy of uh, the Humor Advantage right here, but I have yet to get my copy of the Jerk Free Workplace. So, welcome to the Working Well Podcast, Michael. Hey, thank you, Tim. It's awesome to be here, and and
1: I loved your little slip there. Of I, I thought you were going to say the humor free workplace, which is well, most workplaces are humor free. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I could do another book after the Jerk Free. Yes. I could go back and revisit that topic, the humor-free, soulless workplace.
0: <laughs> so as a speaker and researcher who's traveling the world, or usually travels the world, I'm, obviously this past year has been a bit interesting for you. Uh, tell me a bit about what it's, uh, what it's been like, not being able to travel as much.
1: Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. And I, I just realized I'm coming up to probably my year anniversary of not being on a plane, right? I'm not going anywhere. Like the kitchen is a far trip for me now. <laughs> from the bedroom down to my office. This this is the extent of my travel. So it's crazy as a really busy speaker before this where I was going to the airport sometimes a couple of times a week, right? Traveling all over the world sometimes. It's It was a bit of an adjustment. But I, I think like uh, like so many folks, I've, I've adapted to it. I've, I'm appreciating the small things, which is I think what we have to do, right? It, it's a, been a great reminder of the importance of just little things like getting out every day for a walk and how good that is for our health and wellness and and keeping our Netflix account up to date. <laughs> Appreciating those small things, chocolate, wine, the importance of good relationships, right? And and the importance of holding on to our sense of humor, because I think we need it now more than ever.
0: I agree completely. So what, I, I, of this last year, what's been the most positive thing that's come out of it? Boy, the most the the most positive. I I well, there's yeah,
1: there's a few things. I mean, again, I would just say on that that personal, well, personal business front, kind of com- well, everything's combined, right? Combined, it's been the slowing down. It's been. Um, I have a friend who referred to this early on as kind of a massive extended snow day, and the, I love looking at it that way. And that's what it's kind of been. And and I'm trying to still maintain that mindset so it's it's been nice to actually slow down to to again just appreciate a slower pace of life it's given me an opportunity to actually work in my business because usually when i'm speaking full on and i'm traveling it's hard to do a lot of the the stuff we sometimes need to do as entrepreneurs working in the business because we're so busy or working on the business uh, so so that's been great to kind of just take a step back and think about what I want to do now with with my business in the coming years and and reimagine it in different ways
0: And from a consulting you know you're still probably speaking online now doing doing this, uh, but you also work with businesses to integrate humor into the workplace uh, from particularly and I know. From from my business, wellness is this wide-ranging topic, and humor is a very important aspect of it. What what types of things have you worked with companies on this past year? Because there's been some tough times for a lot of companies. Yeah, for sure, for sure. yes,
1: yes, (laughs) yeah.
0: You 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 do need humor more than ever.
1: And of course, all my presentations now are are virtual, like like almost everybody. So, just adapting to that is different, but that too has provided an opportunity for a lot of what I talk about because I've been talking a lot about how to maintain a lot of humor, how to inspire and motivate and engage employees who are working remotely or working virtually when you don't have that team dynamic anymore, where you're not seeing people face to face. What are some opportunities to add humor when you're you're connecting in your meetings virtually? So that's been a big part of what I've been talking about. Resiliency, of course, right, with all the stress of the last year with the uncertainty with the last year that creates a ton of stress so talking about using our sense of humor and and other mindset things to help people maintain a more resilient attitude to help build a culture of resiliency as well so that's obviously been a been a very uh, hot topic as well and and there's all sorts of issues that come out of this right this whole new world we're in uh that that have come up a lot in presentations and in workshops things around trust for example too we've got employees all scattered to the winds working at home for the first time with a lot of companies and trust becomes an issue right we have to learn to trust our employees trust our colleagues like never before so communication becomes a huge issue too right so all of those topics kind of blend together and and so it's uh, it's been an interesting interesting year for sure
0: I would hope a, a year into it uh, we've learned to most companies have realized that business can get done and work can get done remotely and that that I know at the first couple of months that trust was a big thing as companies were like wow well, what if people are slacking you know? <laughs> I think the stats show that people are working more now than ever oh exact exactly
1: and, and, you know- one of, my, one of my messages to a lot of senior executives who are worried about that, right? because I literally was talking to managers sometimes who, who, who would suggest that, well, they don't know what their employees are doing every second of the day. And my response to that would be, well, did you know what they were doing every second of the day before? Because I bet you, you didn't. And if you did, that probably wasn't the healthiest work environment for your poor employees. Who who probably were suffering from your microman—you know—I didn't put it that bluntly, but we have to be careful. We're not micromanaging, and and one of the messages I send to all the time is there's a huge difference between checking in with our employees, which is absolutely critical when we talk about health and wellness and and positive workplace cultures, versus checking up on our employees. One of those things builds trust. And one of those things destroys trust. So I would challenge everyone out there to think about that. Are you, are you genuinely checking in with one another on your team or are you checking up to see if they're at the office at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon?
0: Well, and and on the, on the wellness side, we see that all the time In, in our business. We run corporate fitness centers and workplace wellness programs and there is still this mindset out there that if someone goes out for a walk in the middle of the day, well, they're not getting work done. I'm like, well, but that's like every stat out there shows that makes them more productive. Yet there's still this mentality of, well, they're not sitting at their desk, so they must not be productive. Yeah, exactly.
1: And and even just, just taking breaks, right? And as I'm sure you know, yeah. there's so much research that talks about the rejuvenating benefits of breaks and how we need to take probably more breaks than most of us are taking because they're good for us. And in the long term, we'll be more productive. And we also have to appreciate that with everybody working at home, everyone's in a different situation, right? We don't know what's going on with, with our employees. Some of them have have small kids that they're homeschooling all of a sudden for the first time, or they're taking care of elderly parents or, or whatever is going on. And so there are going to be different schedules that are going to work better for different people. And, and we've got to be more flexible like never before. We've got to appreciate people are in different situations. So let's them some slack let's trust them and let's be creative and allow people to create schedules that are going to allow them to be their best to show up as their best and get more done than than maybe they even did before
0: yeah absolutely so i asked I asked this question to all our guests and what what is your definition of wellness in the workplace yeah that's a that's 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 a great question. My
1: my there's so much to me that comes wrapped in that wellness term, right? There's so much. Uh, you know, I talk a lot about about not just the physical benefits of humor, for example, but of course the mental health benefits, and the benefits in terms of our our just overall happiness and and satisfaction and enjoyment in our jobs. And I think all of that ties together i talk about humor in terms of it being a chicken and egg relationship with with wellness and positive workplace cultures in other words humor helps drive healthier more positive more inspiring workplaces but it also and maybe this is even more important they it reflects a healthy positive workplace where it's easy to maintain a good sense of humor where it's easy to bring your sense of humor along for the ride and a good attitude because you're working in this environment of trust, of appreciation, of respect, where people get along with one another. And all of that ties together to, I think, to create an overall sense of wellness in our lives. Uh, There's so many tentacles to this topic of wellness. I talk even about the idea of just finding purpose in your work, right? And we know how powerful that is in terms of people feeling more engaged in their jobs, but also feeling just happier. And again, tying into a sense of wellness, that it, that it does feed into that overall feeling of, of, of wellness.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's so multifaceted and you know, some people, some companies focus on one aspect more than others, but being able to step back and see it from that bigger picture and, and humor is a perfect example of that is, you know, being in the wellness industry, I understand how humor fits into that and helps people with from a happiness and even hormone profile like this, the the physiology behind it. There's amazing science to support that. What are some of the biggest barriers you see to integrating humor into the workplace? I think just just a lack of awareness
1: of, of how to do it, but also fear more than anything. People get scared that if you put the humor welcome at, out, there's going to be Total anarchy. I think that there's going to be inappropriate jokes. There's going to be whoopee cushions at every board meeting, and people wearing clown noses and skateboarding down the hallways, and it's just going to be anarchy and chaos. And of course, nothing could be further from the truth. As as I stress to people, having a sense of humor, creating a culture of humor, isn't about being the office clown. It's certainly not about telling jokes, so you don't have to run out and take a stand-up comedian class anytime soon. It's not even about being funny all the time. It's way broader than that, more powerful than that. It's about having a sense of, of balance, a sense of proportion and perspective about our challenges at work, the issues that can stress us out. So It doesn't make our problems or challenges go away, of course, but it helps us see them in a healthier, more realistic light. It's about laughing at those things that we have no control over, which is quite a bit at work. And it's especially about learning to laugh at ourselves more. As I tell my audiences all the time, is it not a truism that the more seriously a person takes themselves, ironically, the less seriously we tend to take that person? <laughs> which which is ironic, right? But that's what happens. People take themselves all seriously in the hopes that everyone takes them seriously when the reality becomes, no, we're not taking you seriously because you're taking yourself so seriously. So it's about laughing at ourselves in order to do our jobs even more professionally. So it's not about taking our customer service or our jobs lightly. It's about taking ourselves and the things we can't control lightly in order to, in fact, be even more professional. So I think it's just... Back to your question, it's getting over that that fear that it's somehow going to be inappropriate or affect productivity or um, affect behaviors in outlandish ways, and that's just not the case. We know from so much research that workplace cultures that infuse, and for sure there's different types of humor, so we want to talk about a positive, healthy kind of humor here. Workplaces that infuse their culture with positive, healthy senses of humor tend to have lower absenteeism rates, lower employee turnover rates, higher productivity, not lower productivity. People communicate better with one another. There's more collaboration. There's more trust. There's more creativity and innovation. It can help your customer service stand out. There's all these benefits of injecting your workplace with humor. And again, back to the wellness theme, People are healthier, they're less stressed out. It has a huge impact on people's stress level. So I think, I think it's just a matter, I think, of awareness and education and getting people to understand. No, you don't have to be frightened by this sucker. This can be a huge benefit to you and to your team
0: and to all of your employees. Well, and you brought up a great point earlier that ties to the humor aspect is that humor and trust go hand in hand. Uh, studies show that people who are, uh, think, people think have a good sense of humor, they trust them more. And I, 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 one of the videos you had out that uh, was 91% of executives believe that a sense of humor is important for career advancement. of CEOs said they'd prefer to hire someone with a sense of humor rather than someone who is more serious. Yeah, Those are overwhelming stats. (laughs) Exactly. It's not rocket science, right? People
1: like people who have a good sense of humor. We want to work with people who have a good sense of humor. And yes, there's that great correlation between trust and humor where it's been shown that when people share a healthy, positive sense of humor, we trust them more. And I think there's a simple explanation for that. We're never more real, we're never more authentic than we when we share our sense of humor, especially if it's, it's pointing at ourselves, right? We laugh at ourselves, we become so human, it keeps us humble, and then we trust those people more. And, and here's a message I think too, that's really, really important for, for folks to hear, because everyone worries about that proverbial humor line. What happens when somebody crosses the line? There's a study in the International Group of Humor Studies, of which I am a member, where they studied the role of the proverbial office joker in these IT companies, right? The the proverbial, in this case, the office clown, right? And what they found time and time again were all these incredible benefits of having a person play that role in terms of, keeping morale up and keeping people energized during por- boring times and reducing stress during stressful times and retelling company stories over and over so it kept the history and the traditions alive the corporate jester did and and speaking uncomfortable truths to the executives so so I use the term corporate jester because that's exactly what they were like right here what was so interesting to me though when we talk about the humor line here's what was so fascinating was when the heads of those companies were asked about that, you know, does does the office joker ever cross that line? And they all said, yeah, of course they do every now and then, but you know what, the benefit that that person plays, the benefit of having that role in our team so outweighs the very odd misstep. And when they do a misstep, when they cross that line, they usually know they've crossed the line. And you know somebody just has a conversation with them and says, you know, you crossed the line, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little more careful next time. But the danger is, and this is what I always wanna stress, the danger is that we become so focused on that line, that proverbial line, that we don't do anything, right? we don't do anything. So we, we create this somber work environment and there's a difference between being serious and being somber, right? So we create this oppressive, depressing, somber work environment that doesn't do anyone any good because we become so frightened of that occasional misstep. It's just, it's crazy.
0: That's the, the whole thing about mistakes, right? Yeah. You make a mistake, but how you handle the mistake is more important than what the mistake was. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so how have you, you know, companies that you've worked with, how have you seen the cultures transform pre COVID to post COVID, uh, dealing in an online world? Have you noticed a shift in, you know, are there more or less of the corporate jesters out there? <laughs> uh, are companies dealing with it in a different way? I think
1: it's interesting, there was a study early on, this was maybe four months, five months into the pandemic. And I, I, would, I was pleasantly surprised that there was, the stats showed something like 38% of workplace cultures where employees said things actually got better in their workplace culture, things improved. And I think that's because this whole situation Um, forced a lot of companies to do things that they probably should have been doing all along, right? And it forced them to be extra intentional about trusting their employees, extra intentional about being more open and honest with their communication and investing in more communication. So there were all sorts of positive shifts that happened. So some companies are, and, and I've experienced this with some of my clients where they've said, yeah, you know what? In some ways things have never been stronger in our culture. I think it's taken this, situation to help us appreciate things better and to help us just connect with one another better at a, at a fundamentally human level. And so let's hope that that doesn't go away after the pandemic. One of the things I'm telling my clients time and time again is is think about the lessons you're learning through all this and what you need to change forever more. Don't think of some of these changes just in the short term like, oh, we have to, we have to learn this new stuff or do stuff differently for, you know another six months nine months however long it is and then and and then it's gonna all be for not well now think about this in terms of the long term what are some things that you should be doing anyways regardless of the pandemic so there has been a lot of positive good stuff out there and and i think you know the 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 office jokers getting back to them they're they're playing just as as much if not even as strong a role as ever in the virtual world. They're just doing it in a different format. They're still bringing the fun though, bringing that energy to the video meetings. They're doing it in different ways. They're doing it maybe via email. There you go. They're, yeah. they're putting on their rabbit ears. They're, they're, <laughs> they're lawyers pretending to be cats, evidently yes. based on the story of
0: I haven't seen that video yet. I've heard it's quite good. <laughs> it's,
1: it's too funny. I, th- I think that now is a legal requirement to start all our video meetings by declaring, I am not a cat.
0: Well, it, the funny story about that too, I, my son, uh, he, we, on his, uh, he can't do like the video effects on his laptop cause it's older. So he keep, his friends keep doing it on, when they're doing their dance and gymnastics, zoom calls. Right. So he was like, daddy, can I borrow your laptop? And so I lent him my laptop and he put like all these blue mustaches and eyebrows things and, and I, he didn't it stays on the meeting settings and so i started up a meeting the other day and i'm talking away and <laughs> not looking at my own thing and people are like what what are you doing and i look at my screen and i've got this like blue chevron mustache with like the oh. goatee and big eyebrows and it, it just it was a funny moment but it was those are the things that happen now and yeah, yeah. and it's awesome, right? And it,
1: I, I think that that humanizes us, right? I mean, we've all talked about those stories where funny things happen in the background. We're in a very serious, and, and I've been on them, really serious meetings. And then somebody's puppy shows up in the background. And of course, what happens? All of a sudden, everyone, all these serious faces, all of a sudden, everyone breaks out into a big smile. They like, oh bring the puppy over, what's the puppy's name? And the person goes, Guess the puppy, and everyone, and they take this little puppy break in the middle of a meeting, right? That's awesome, it just ha- helps
0: humanize us again,
1: right? And build those those personal connections.
0: Yeah. And that's yeah. going back again to this past year has taught us a lot of lessons in business and that will transform work as we know it in in the future. And I think there are so many positives that can come out of it. And even when we go back to the office, even if it's part time, there are hopefully a lot of these things start to stay in place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, just just starting again, and I, I touched on it, but just starting again with that whole idea of just taking care of one another and putting people first, creating a more heart-centered, sounds kind of corny or cliche, but a heart-centered, human-centered organization. Just before the pandemic, Tim, I read this really disturbing book called Dying for a Paycheck. And the punchline is kind of right in the title. It talks about cultures killing people, that there are so many toxic, stressful, dysfunctional workplaces out there. And this book was making the case that that is one of the biggest contributors to the pressure on our healthcare system in countries like Canada and the United States that is causing people to have heart attacks and strokes and all these diseases. And there's a direct line, there's a direct correlation from how people are being treated in their jobs, to overwork, to a lack of uh, work-life balance, to to toxic workplace cultures, and workplaces just not focusing on health and wellness the way they should be. So let's use this as a wake-up call and emphasize the importance of health and wellness like never before.
0: Yeah, and and that's exactly it. I feel, um, you know, fight the same battle in, in my side of the business, as well as having companies realize that adding humor, adding wellness to the workplace is not this cost that needs to be managed. It's a, it's an investment. And you, one of your videos you made the point is more funny equals more money. And it's, I love it. And that's the same thing. When you bring that culture into the workplace, it benefits everyone. It benefits health, well-being, happiness, and productivity, profitability. Yeah. And there's just, people ask me all the, are there any
1: numbers to show to back this up? (laughs) Where do you want to begin? There's like about a day's worth of numbers I could talk about, right? There's so much research that shows it. And so many of my clients who have crunched the numbers who show, yeah, this this money we're spending, say in health and wellness, or investing in in recognizing our employees, or even parks for our employees, yeah, it's 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 showing up as a lot of costs on our expense side of the equation. But we've crunched the numbers. Here's how much it's saving us in costs, mm-hmm. and/or here's how much more revenue it is generating for us. So there, there's so many reasons to do it. But let's again not forget just that fundamental re- reason to do it. Hopefully it's the right thing to do. And isn't that nice that those things just happen to to uh, fit so nicely together? Yes, it's the nice thing to, or the right thing to do, but it will also make you more money and save you some costs as well in the long run. So why, it, to me, it's like a no-brainer decision.
0: <laughs> well, and, and you know it firsthand too. I've uh, heard you talk about the you're, you voted yourself off the, off the island in your, your company and that's how you started your own business. That's right. And yeah, there are, I I can't think of how many clients that I've worked with over the years where they're successful, they're you know, climbing the ladder, they're making good money, but they're miserable. Yeah. They're, they yeah. they just they hate going to work every day oh. and they they go in and they put in their time and when we look at the stats and ROI, presenteeism is this like the iceberg under the water. Right. People are there, they're not sick, they're not on like disability. They're they're showing up at the office every day, but they're putting out 10% or 20% or 50% and Yeah. As a company, that's not good. No, <laughs> it's huge and I'm glad you brought that up. we, we need to
1: talk about presenteeism way more than we do. I think everybody focuses on absenteeism, but presenteeism is huge. And and again, there's research that shows that numbers are enormous. When you have people coming in and they're not engaged in their jobs, their hearts aren't, aren't there. They're, they're count- I have met people in their 30s, and how sad is this, that are tracking the days almost before they can get their pension, right? The big P, yeah. till they retire. And what a way to go through Life, uh, you know, it's crazy. And we do have to remember work has a huge impact on our life. Like you said, we could, you know, is is that really it, being successful at work if you're miserable you might have climbed up the corporate ladder and you've got this, this great position and the beautiful office, but if you're miserable. How is that a definition of success or how does that tie into your definition of success. Our work affects our mental and physical health, our family lives, our marriages. It affects who we socialize with, our personal development, our personal growth. It's a wee bit of a time sucker. It's the single biggest use of our waking hours in this short journey called life. So I think we owe it to each other. We owe it to our employees, we owe it to our teammates, to our bosses, to our customers, to our families. To create as positive as healthy a workplace as possible, because this sucker matters.
0: Yeah, well, and I I grew up in the team sports world, and yeah, if there are people on the team that aren't pulling their weight or underperforming, the team comes together to help that person out. Whereas in a lot of companies, it's just like, oh, that's just Bob. He sits in the cubicle in the corner and does nothing. Right. <laughs> like, it's like a, we'll just pretend he's not there and don't,
1: don't make eye contact. He's like a grizzly bear. Just, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and so there, there, there does become some of that or that person might be miserable and then they end up getting poor reviews and getting let go when they might have great things to contribute to the organization, but there were some things that they had to work through and they needed leadership and they needed help and they felt they weren't being supported. We see that all the time in companies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: I, I, I just
1: did a video today about <laughs> creating a culture of support and just making sure that, that people are comfortable and doing it but intentional about checking in with one another. There was a Deloitte study that I referenced quite often that showed that the number one way employees gain a sense of belonging on their team in their company is just when somebody checks in with them. Again, not checking up on them, but checking in with them in a genuine way that makes them feel appreciated and, and like they belong to this group of people, right? So it's so important that we do that and, and that we intentionally go create a culture of support where people can get help, where people can put up their hand where they're, when they're having a serious mental health issue. That's so important,
0: yeah. And having other people around that start to notice when that might be happening because it, I know for a lot of people it is hard to reach out and they're scared, they're, they don't want to be, there's a stigma around it and the adding humor and wellness into the workplace raises everyone's boats.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and you bring up an important point there too, right? Because when I talk about the humor stuff, do the fun stuff, one of the things I stress is it is not putting on, you know, a fake smiley face and you turn that frown upside down, Tim, come on. Yeah. It's, it's about using it in a genuine, authentic way to create a psychologically safe environment. And during challenging times, like the world is experiencing right now, it's never been more important to create that kind of culture where you speak up when you're not having a good day and recognize it's okay to have bad days and I have bad days I have horribly bad days and off weeks and we need to create that safe space so people can say you know what today I'm having a bad day I'm like a 2.1 out of 10 today it sucks and we have to speak up and do that and, and take a leadership role in doing that so that we don't beat ourselves up, first of all, for having those bad days, because you know what happens, right? People get stressed out about being stressed out. They get anxious about being anxious. So then your bad hair day piles up on top of your bad hair day, and pretty soon you look like you're from the 1980s, which nobody wants to see. And then you also have to speak up when you're not doing great so that you create that environment for other people to know that it's okay to speak up.
0: So how can... How can companies start to do that? How can they start to integrate more humor and well-being into their and support into their office culture?
1: Well, there, there's so many ways that they can do it. I think I think my, there's, my not there's not there's just one. There's not just one. Just one. There's not just one. No, no, believe it or not. There's not. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be lovely if there was just one? Here's what you have to do. And then you're done. You're done for the rest yeah. of your life. <laughs> uh, the, well, it's a, it's a big question, right? But It starts by being intentional that for me, everything goes back to, you've got to be intentional, great, healthy cultures. Don't just happen. You can't fake it. You can't go buy your culture at Ikea because as I always (laughs) say, nobody will know how to put it together. So you've (laughs) got to be intentional (laughs) about doing this stuff and treat it as a priority. Which means you've got to model it out loud. You've got to live it. You've got to make sure that what's important for you to see, especially if you're in a senior leadership role. That you're modeling this in an outrageously loud way. But a few, a few things that you can to kind of jumpstart some of this stuff that you can try. One is focus on your meetings. For me, meetings are a critical touch point in companies. And meetings should help you create the kind of culture that you want, but also they should reflect the kind of culture you want. So if you say, hey, we value a fun, humor-filled, creative, innovative, healthy culture then your meetings better reflect that if you want a healthy workplace culture then d- maybe don't serve junk food as much as we all enjoy it from time to time during your meetings if you want to have a fun culture be known as a fun culture then make sure your meetings are fun and that they aren't sucking the life out of everybody and they are not these soul-sucking horrific experiences in the boardroom where everyone's nodding off from boredom So use your meetings as a touch point to check in with people to talk about these issues. Yes. But also as a microcosm of your culture. So if you want to ramp up the fun in your, in your culture, for example, start with your meetings because it sends a really powerful message, open up your meetings with a fun icebreaker. I've got, I've got a handout that I'd be happy to share with every Anyone that has over 60 fun ways of injecting humor into your meeting in just a fun way. So, look for those opportunities, create rituals and traditions around fun, around humor, around health and wellness. I'm a huge fan of rituals and traditions. Every great workplace culture I've interviewed around the world talks about the importance of rituals and traditions in their workplace to help them build their culture, to help them build a strong culture. Rituals and traditions give everybody something to look forward to, something to reminisce about, and they help people create habits in the workplace so if you want to up your wellness game your your health game or your humor game at work create some rituals around it maybe it's a monday morning team huddle. i know that's a little more challenging in in this day and age with the virtual world but we'll be back in person one day and you can do some of these things virtually so maybe it's a monday morning kickoff ritual maybe it's a friday afternoon team huddle where you just review the top three wins of the week Maybe it's to inject a little bit of fun. It's celebrating the wacky theme days or making up your own goofy theme day. I have a couple of clients and I love this because it's so simple. And this is how simple it can be to make a, a to at least start in your culture. This, this one climate, client of mine, they do third person Thursdays. Where everybody refers to themselves, but in the third person, right? It's dirt simple. Does it cost you a dime? Even the introverts can get on board for this one, and it's awesome, right? How can you not walk around with a smile on your face all day? Where you know I would be going, hey, yeah, Mike's looking forward to the meeting this afternoon. Oh, Mike has an idea. <laughs> I think it's so stupid, but it's so simple to just shift the energy, to to change things up, and again send a message about the kind of culture that you want.
0: That's fantastic. I love that. The third person Thursdays. I might have to try that. <laughs> uh, one thing I did notice in, uh, in your, in your book, the humor advantage, you, you talk about a fun squad, Put yes. a fun squad. I, I love that idea. Like I've always talked about wellness ambassadors and having like the different people that would go around and create that and from a wellness side, but I never thought about the fun squad. So yeah. Do you have some examples of how that's worked out in different companies? Yeah, there's a few, there's a
1: few clients, and and again, it's it's you have to be careful with this. This is is another way that you can quickly ramp up the level of fun in your culture. You just want to be careful that you're not outsourcing it, right? That you're not. They, they don't take on all the responsibility for fun and happiness in your workplace or your culture because of course we know it doesn't work that way. Everybody's got to get on board with this idea. Everybody because, has to think the, about- The
0: fun police like
1: yeah that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get in trouble for not having fun. Everybody has to think about their role in contributing to a positive workplace culture, their role in contributing to a healthier workplace culture. However, it can be a very effective tool. And I've, I've seen it done In a number of different ways. The most effective way I've seen it done is is when they take it seriously. So they actually set aside a budget, not necessarily a big budget, but a small budget for a committee or even just an ambassador to lead the charge, so so to facilitate it at least, right? To infuse the workplace with more funded, to try some creative things, some innovative things, some new social things. But They take it seriously. So people have to apply for the position. They do it on top of their normal work, but they want people who are are really going to be committed, right? So you have to still apply for it, just like you would with any other job. And, And I think this is one of the keys to success. They do it for a short term. So it gives lots of people a chance to cycle through a sort of fun ambassador, fun committee, fun squad role, whatever you want to call it, and it prevents people from getting burnt out because we know what happens at a lot of organizations and I've worked in companies where this has been the case, where it's the same handful of people that do all the fun activities, who take care of anyone's birthday party when it comes up, who organizes every social activity and they get burnt out. They get tired of doing it because it always falls on the same half a dozen sho- shoulders. So rotating it around, make sure people get a different crack at it, but also that people don't get burned out.
0: And people, and if it's the same group of people, they probably are the ones that are only participating and you miss out on people that aren't cycling through that that process as well.
1: Yeah, and, and it's a really good way to, because also what happens sometimes, what, one of the things I talk about is making sure you don't create a situation of punishment, which is creating fun events that feel like it's punishment because, I'm an introvert and this just, you know, I don't want to do this. I am I'm an introvert. This isn't fun for me. So involving different people like your introverts, for example, on squads, on a fun squad like that, you get very different ideas, very different suggestions, very different energy that might appeal to a broader section of people or at least a different section of people than you have in the past. And it's a way to engage people that normally maybe aren't as engaged in that stuff.
0: Yeah, that's a great point too. It's uh, the different perspectives. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, what? What? Uh, I guess my next question would be: Where do you see, based on the last year, where do you see things going in the next year or two, as far as workplace culture and policies, procedures, uh, mindset around well-being in the workplace?
1: I think it's just if if I had my crystal ball out I think it's just going to get better and better. I think it really has been a wake up call for a lot of companies and I think there's going to be there's going to be just I think a big movement to make sure that that we don't go back in our workplaces to how things were. You know, we talk about returning to the new normal. But I'm a big advocate of saying, no, let's not go back to the new normal because the, the old normal was kind of sucking for a lot of people. <laughs> so let's aim higher than the previous normal. Let's come out of this, as we touched on earlier, with the lessons that we've learned, let's come out of this being extra uber intentional about the things we have to do to take care of one another, extra intentional about focusing on our culture. It's been, it's been a big lesson for workplaces too. And we know this from, from previous huge events that have happened in the world, that those workplaces that have stronger, more resilient cultures tend to come through these kind of situations stronger. Of course they do. They come out financially stronger. They come out psychologically stronger. The employees do. And so it's been a reminder too, that culture really does matter and it matters now even more. And I think There's going to be a new generation of employees coming up. Uh, There's going to be a new mindset because of all this that isn't going to accept the status quo anymore, that doesn't want to go back to the old normal and that wants to do things in a different way. And and the the great opportunity that's come out of this, too, is just the, the opportunity to be innovative and try new things and be creative. So I hope that workplace cultures are going to continue with that mindset and continue to challenge themselves to to be creative and innovative and try new things that are going to work first and foremost for their employees. If you don't get your culture right, you're not going to succeed because we know culture is your number one competitive advantage. It drives success. I don't care what business you're in, I don't care what organization you're in, culture is the key driver of success. And so coming out of this in the long term, I, my hope is that organizations will have learned just how important culture is and they'll be even more intentional.
0: When I, I, we can almost look at it in the same uh, uh, light as the technology uh, from basically March 10th to March 25th, the world progressed about a decade in terms of uh, using technology in the workplace and so hopefully this past year has moved us forward a decade or so in terms of how we view organizational culture. And uh, we don't just go back to sitting in cubicles, staring at a wall when we get back into the office.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. That's a, that's a great, a great analogy that, that hopefully it's, it's accelerated our, our learning curve, right? <laughs> yeah, <let's hope. laughs>
0: awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. It's been wonderful. Are there any other things that you, like, oh, I forgot to mention this, or ideas that you have for adding humor in the workplace? Oh, my God, so many ideas.
1: How many hours do we have? <laughs> oh, there's, there's, there's so many ideas. It just, you know, I, again, what I, I stress to people is just start. Start somewhere, right? Start slowly if you have to, but start. Because it really can make a huge difference in your workplace. It can make it, And like, I guess
0: oh, they could okay. start with your book, right? That just, they
1: could start with my book, "The Humor Advantage: Why Some Businesses Are Laughing All the Way to the Bank." There's there's dozens, if not hundreds, of ideas in that book on how to <laughs> inject more humor into the workplace. So, you know, and and know this too that I don't care how serious you think your organization is. Every company has opportunities to inject a little bit of humor in them. I mean, I've worked with I've, I've researched funeral home directors and the, the most serious organizations you can imagine out there. And, and I have examples from all over the world of companies that have figured out ways of injecting some fun, safe humor into their workplace. So, so just, just start and brace it and make it happen. You know, one, one of the dirt simplest things you can do is start a humor file. Just start a humor file or book amongst your team where you collect the accidentally funny stuff that you see in the world. And specifically the accidentally funny stuff because there's research that shows that that's the fastest way to actually grow our sense of humor because it forces us to look at things in a little bit of a different way. It forces us, it trains our brain to look for those things that kind of make us go, oh, that's a little bit weird, right? So collect that stuff. And then your brain will continue to be on the lookout for it and if you do it at a company-wide level or at least a team level, the other benefit is it sends the message, hey, we want you to have a little bit of fun here. We want you to appreciate your job and, and find the funny out there in the world. So, so let's start this. Everybody share and bring the accidentally funny stuff that you see out there in the world.
0: And I love how you said fun, safe humor. Because that, it's not like you have to go hire a dozen Andrew Dice clays to come into your office. <laughs>
1: No, no. We want to keep the humor positive, constructive, supportive, right? We want to laugh with each other, not at each other. And and one of the mindsets too, I think that is helpful is don't necessarily think of it as trying to be funny, but instead think about doing things in a spirit of fun. Yeah. And and I think that's an important distinction, right? And it's a lot easier, I think, a lot less pressure to do things in a spirit of fun, as opposed to trying to be funny which is, is stressful for the most brilliant stand up comedians out there. Right. So yeah. just, just have fun, bring that spirit of fun to everything you do.
0: Yeah. Enjoying the things you're doing on a day-to-day basis, enjoying yeah. interacting with people and smiling when it counts and not when you're trying to force it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wonderful. And so mikecur.com, That's
1: the, uh, yes, that's the website. It's being totally overhauled. So I'm excited in a few months, it's gonna be totally different, but do drop by the website. And I'd encourage people if you want a weekly uh, dose of inspiration and a little bit of fun, sign up for my weekly newsletter inspiring workplaces. And in fact, you'll get a free ebook called 340 ways to Put humor to work. So there's a whack of ideas right there.
0: All right, what happened to the rest of the 340? What happened to the other, it's not like 365? (laughs)
1: I know somebody said why didn't you do 365? 165?
0: you didn't
1: come up with those extras. humor <laughs> <laughs> the date well I, well yeah I have thousands of ideas. So I, in retrospect I don't I, I wrote that book many years ago. I don't know why. I I might so my smart ass answer is because you know humor needs a vacation too. They need a few days off. They they they, they
0: need their vacation time. Exactly. <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for coming on the show and you had mentioned um uh was it 60 ways a handout for yeah, yeah um if you want to send me the link i'll make sure uh, it goes in the link when uh, when we post this you bet and, yeah awesome thank you so much thank you tim thanks everyone remember
1: remember to remember to live each and every day as though it were your last because sooner or later you'll be right I love
0: that. Thank you for listening to the Working Well Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your experiences and how you've applied tips from the show to your daily life, so please keep us posted on your progress. To stay up to date with new episode releases, make sure to subscribe to our mailing list by emailing podcast at freshgroup.ca and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you everyone for tuning in. And once again, I'm Tim Boris with Fresh Wellness Group. We'll see you on the next episode.